This podcast is brought to you by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. If you're interested in creating or expanding your podcast, find out more at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Join Ambiguous Podcast Solutions to bring your podcast to life. Welcome to Talking Toastmasters with Angela Nuss. Talking Toastmasters is a podcast all about Toastmasters members and how Toastmasters impacts their lives. You can find the Talking Toastmasters podcast at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. This show is hosted and produced by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. Welcome to Talking Toastmasters with Angela Nuss. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So tell me a little bit about what brought you to Toastmasters back in 2013. Well, Angela, I got to tell you, I did. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. A, a friend, my friend Denise said, hey, come support me. I'm giving the speech at this club. And she told me very little. And I'm a yes guy. So I said, sure, I'll come support you. Let's check this out. And so I went to the club. This particular club uh, meets very early on a Tuesday morning, 7 a.m. And so I have to be, I, she had to be a really good friend actually to, to get up that early. And so I, I went and checked it out and yeah, it was, uh, it, it was something else I didn't, I didn't expect. So very, everyone was very welcoming and engaging. And before I knew it, I was doing a table topics, whatever that was. Fascinating. So what prompted you to join? Well, I just saw that it was such a friendly group and I did, I did enjoy the first meeting and I'm not shy. So I'm not like, oh, I need to get up and I'm afraid to get up in front of people. In fact, I was, I, I remember the theme. Our, this club has themes uh, every week and this week it was musicals. I'll never forget. It was, it was musicals, show tunes. And so I, that's right up my alley. So I thought this is great. And so I talked about musicals, maybe did a little, you know, riff on some musical stuff. And I think I, I, I assume I won first place because we tend to be very nice to the, the guests and so I, I mean all that combined I just saw the potential that oh I see what uh, what is possible here I could have some practice myself at speaking that's awesome I love that you did table topics your first meeting and a little riff and the meeting themes um you mentioned your club I'm going to stay on your club for a moment tell us about your club and some of the your favorite meeting themes Yes, our, our club is Motivated Toastmasters, and we are in District 52 in Los Angeles, in Sherman Oaks specifically. And the club is great. It's, I, I believe it's been around since 1982, and they're a pretty, pretty strong club going forward. And I think it's the morning meeting part that, that uh, either makes you or breaks you. And so as far as getting up that early for a meeting, I, for me, I felt like that was something I could do at least once a week and it would kick me, kick me in gear for the, for the whole week. I don't know if I do that every day, but uh, it was, it, it, it kind of got me going, got me flowing. And I thought if, uh, if I could be funny in at 7am, then I could be funny maybe any other time of the day. So it's a good practice. We're just waking up. We, they offer free coffee. So there's that. Um, so we, 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 be, we are very creative, I believe. I, I did check out a lot of other clubs. And so the creativity is in the themes. It's in the, uh, we, we do have a joke master. We try to, we really try to mix it up. 
uh, each week. And so the themes can be anything serious like, I don't know, gratitude or compassion, or it can just be, you know, movie themes, musicals. We, we do we do a backwards day. We do everything backwards, if you can imagine. And that literally means, yes, evaluations before the speeches. I like how you fell over, how you caught yourself tripping over the chair. What, you know, whatever the case, you can just imagine the, <laughs> the humor in this. But this, you know, this keeps us on point. It keeps us thinking and, and uh, we have a good time. That's amazing. And I, I've heard of backward meetings and I just get like, oh no, I can't do this. My anxiety is like, I'm crippled. I can't even think about going to a meeting. So <laughs> if your club's going to do a backwards theme, don't invite me. I'm not coming. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, tell us about your favorite role in the Toastmasters world. Yes. I, you know, I, I really enjoy helping people with evaluations. I really feel like that kind of became my niche in the club. And I guess, I guess that's kind of a combination of leadership and participation, uh, helping people and mentoring people. So I, I really enjoy evaluating. I, I feel like it's a, it's an art form to keep practicing, to keep, for me, the challenge is how can I give so much information in a three minute period of time? So it's really clarifying what the top two or three items are. And there's, and there's definitely a, uh, a formula that I think works. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of the pie method or the, uh, it's kind of like a sandwich. The pie method is uh, praise, instruction, and then encouragement. And so what that does, it gives you, it sandwiches the positivity on the, on the front and the back. So you really find, you, have, you open with something positive. Even if you can't think of anything, it's always, hey, congratulations in getting up in front of the group, especially on an icebreaker. And beyond that, it's really, what did they do well, especially looking at the chapter in the pathways that, that also was helpful uh, to see what they did well. And then you give a, a few instructions and come back with the encouragement. I think that is very effective way to evaluate. And I love to see that. And I, I, and if somebody doesn't do that, if they open with like, man, I wish you had done this or this. I'm like, Oh no, no, that's not, I, I don't care how, I don't care how experienced you are. That, that hurts anybody it hurts me. I'm like, Oh no. Like, you, you know, you got to open with positivity. It's just, I mean, and this is good tools in life. Like, you know, if you're having a conflict with uh, your spouse, for example, or anything, you know, I love, you know, I love that you made me breakfast this morning. You know, the, now can maybe we look at, you know, how our tone is. I mean, there's so many things in life that this is good, good strategy for. So it's good practice, not just in Toastmasters, but in life. But again, I, I love evaluations because I want, I want to see other people succeed. And I hope that I can provide that even in a short period of time. I love the pie method because it's basically the sandwich method. Praise, instruction, encouragement. Correct. So a new way of looking at <laughs> evaluating the sandwich method. Praise, instruction, encouragement. Yes. Actually, some of the speak some of the evaluators, more experienced, I will say, do offer encouragement at the end. Mm -hmm. They do. And there's sometimes there's the cliche, I can't wait to hear your next speech. So I try exactly. to avoid that, try to avoid the cliches, but really, really say something. And if it's genuine, I, I really do think this speech could be a contest speech, or I would love to see this aspect again, or, you know, you've done a fabulous job in having better body language or better eye contact. I'd love to see that going forward, whatever it is to really be specific too at the end. That's important. Not just uh, the throwaway. Can't wait for your next speech. <laughs> Although that's better than nothing. That all, it's still, it's still good. It's still good. Yes. 
So good. So newer Toastmasters and evaluators, you're good with that. Yes. <laughs> Challenging all those experienced Toastmasters and evaluators out there to give specific encouragement. Yes. So now that we've talked about your favorite role, what's your most challenging role? You know, I, it's, I don't know if it's challenging. It's just what, what you want to make sure you prepare the most for and you're engaged the whole time, I think, is maybe the Toastmaster. Uh, I wouldn't say challenging, except at least evaluate you can show up and just do it on the fly if you, if you know what you're doing. But Toastmaster takes preparation, just like giving speeches, of course, takes preparation. But the Toastmaster, you don't want to underestimate uh, what you can do as a Toastmaster, not just to go through the motions or read the, oh, the next speaker, but to really set the tone for the meeting. And I, and I like at our clubs, at some point a few years ago, somebody started doing transitions and we really focus on those, whether they're funny or not. And what I mean by transitions are speak like to really uh, engage when you're giving the role assignments So this, you know, we're doing the timer uh, and then speaking of timing, and then you go to the next, uh, that you kind of do these segues. It's a good practice in segueing what someone just said and then connecting that to the next part. So you're, so you're literally half, half prepared, but also present in what's being said. So I think it's it's the perfect balance of a role to be to be off the cuff, but also well prepared. Wow, I feel like I just got an education in those two roles. <laughs> and it's interesting. I want to go back to the meeting theme for one sec. My home club does meeting themes as well. Mm. And sometimes newer members get a little thrown off by when they come up to speak and they start really giving a speech about the meeting theme rather than, and then we're like, hey, can we hear your speech? <laughs> That's happened a few times. So that is part of the preparation of being Toastmaster. Yes. Is coming up with that meeting theme. So it must be super interesting to see who's going to be your next Toastmaster and what their theme is going to be. Do you folks announce your theme ahead of time or is it you find out when you get there? Well, we, we try to get the theme out at least a week ahead of time. So we do that. Um, we used to, I mean, of course, we're talking about still being on Zoom right now in 2021. Uh, we've been on Zoom for a, for a while and don't know what that future uh, looks like. But as of now, the way we just, the easiest way for our club is to pass around the schedule at the end of the meeting. And then we fill all the roles. We used to pass it around way ahead. Actually, I, I, it, it was nice to have roles filled out months in advance. Uh, but right now we're just, we're okay with it. We just, we come up with the next week. Some people put out when they want to give their speech, but in general, we're, most of the roles are filled at the end of the last week's meeting. And then we come up with that theme. And generally, there's got to be a communication between the Toastmaster and the Tabletop Master. We want synchronicity. We want everyone to, and, and the grammarian as well. We want everyone to tap into that, into that theme, uh, including the word of the day, including, uh, yeah, exactly, the table topics, how the flow of the whole meeting, so it all connects. So that that's, seems to be a, a value we, we, we share in our club. That's awesome. Sometimes I remember to tell the table topics master and grammarian what my theme is going to be. And sometimes as the table topics <laughs> master, I reach out to the Toastmaster and say, hey, do you happen to have a theme? And then as the board master as well, I try and do that. Yeah. But thank you for reminding me to get back onto that because I've swayed from that completely thanks to uh, going on Zoom. Right. Haven't been and on top of that. And bonus points for the, for the speeches to be in alignment as well. 
with the theme, or at least throw it in a little bit. So you throw in the word of the day in your speech as well. And that's always, always nice. That is really nice, especially if you throw out the theme ahead of time and the speaker can adapt. Yep. It's definitely helpful. Or, or in some cases, they they waited to last minute to prepare anyways. So now they have their theme and idea for inspiration. Either way, <laughs> as long as you're ready to go the day of. We, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And then you get those pocket speeches. Like, yeah. I sort of have a speech, kind of have a speech. I can pinch it if need be. And, oh, there's a theme. Good. I can figure it out really fast. So that's always helpful too. Well, let's see, um, what have you done in Toastmasters for leadership? Well, I mean, I think one of the, the biggest accomplishments would be to get the DTM. I am, I've got my DTM back in 2018, I believe. Mm -hmm. It took me, it took me four and a half, five years to get it. So I, I, I suppose I'm proud of that. I know some people uh, don't get that far and there's something like 1% of members, Toastmaster members get there, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm proud of that. I just, I mean, again, when I joined, I had no idea what I was getting into. And I, I suppose if I knew the trajectory of what was happening, maybe I would have had second thoughts. But once I was engaged and once I was going, I'm like, I'm kind of an all or nothing guy. So I was like, okay, let's see what I need to do to get to that DTM. And so I treated it as such. And so, you know, the leadership was just kind of went hand in hand with that being the area director, starting new clubs. Um, it continued though. Like I, I kind of embraced being a mentor for, for pathways. I mean, that's, that was kind of a big deal because as most clubs go, you're in, you're in the old paradigm and it was, it was hard to move people. And so, and some of my club are, are a little older folks as well. And so there were resistance that, that two year period, what was it? 2019, 2018, 19, uh, in those couple of years, that was, that was tricky. Cause I was, I was out ahead of the gate, I guess I was just, I just, I, my, it was perfect timing to finish the, to be done with my DTM and then move into pathways. So I, I kind of had just the right flow there, but I was like, I felt like I was the only one doing pathways and no one else was. And I was like, you know, we have this one and a half, two year window. And so I started uh, mentoring people and then making that part of the club. Like every other month I would do a pathways mentorship uh, teaching. And so at first there, there actually was resistance. I was like, what, what's going to happen? I mean, but eventually we knew it was all going to be pathways. So at the end of the day, people were very grateful and they did eventually have to switch over. And so we did. So I, I, I'm kind of proud of that too, that I, I embraced being one of the first in our district uh, to get, I've, I've, I've got my, how many paths did I finish? Uh, three now, but I think I was one of the first uh, to finish the first two. Since you've completed three paths, does that mean you're planning to get a DTM in pathways? I don't know. I, you know what? That's a good question. I don't, my my short answer is no. I I think I'm I'm kind of just enjoying uh, showing up and helping people now, giving speeches occasionally. Uh, I feel like I did accomplish that already, but you never know. You never know. Plus, I'm not really clear what the path is now to get the DTM. It's not that as clear to me. So, but maybe now you know I I, I don't know if it's it's spelled out the same way as the last one was. But uh, I mean, who knows? Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Three or four aspects. There's like three or four yeah. things. 
you know, and each uh, has one to three options. Yeah. So I, I guess I haven't uh, thought that far. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am now and, and, uh, and helping to coach and mentor people. Well, I'm glad you mentioned coaching and mentoring at length, because I know when you filled out your survey to be on the podcast, I saw something that caught my eye because I happened to be at the 2018 Toastmasters International Convention, and you played a role in that convention. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes. Um, well, before we get to there, I, I had had some experience from Toastmasters. I joined this uh, Club Captivate which was by Shanti Niven. She started, she had this uh, branch off from Toastmasters where we really embraced more of the artistic aspect of speaking and we're more artists and I'm an artist myself and musician. So I really uh, enjoyed that. So we really uh, tapped into our artistic aspects rather of, of Toastmasters. And so it was kind of going hand in hand. And we also had some experience mentoring kids so I, I somehow got involved in, in that, and I was, I was a paid professional speaker with Club Captivate, and then also mentoring uh, some Toastmasters. So that's a little bit of uh, background. And again, I had no idea I was going to do this. I, I, again, I just showed up at the meeting, and you know, five years later, I'm mentoring and teaching kids and uh, coaching people. So people were coming to me for coaching. Now, for myself, I did, of course, I competed a few times, and I got to the division level and I tried really hard and got a little bit further, but I never got to the district and I was like a little angry, but it was fine. It was worth that. You know, when you compete, you're like, this is where you really grow because you're really getting the feedback, working on one speech, really getting it down. And so it was, it's definitely the best part of Toastmasters. I think is the, is the contest. What I found myself doing was embracing the coaching. Like I said, um, mm. I'm I'm enjoying the evaluating other people. So I really was learning a lot of a lot of techniques and how to like really bring a speech out from somebody else. And so I found I was it turned out I was better at coaching than maybe speaking myself. So I had some experience. Uh, first, I coached a girl that was brand new in our club, and I had coached her, and she went all the way to the uh, district finals in, in our first year as a rookie. And I was Ooh. so proud of that. I was like, and she, she did, she worked really hard. It takes everybody. She, she was a hard worker. I could see the talent. I was like, I think she's, can, she has a chance here. And uh, she did really well with her speech. I think she was, it was 2016, 2017. And she was talking about build, build uh, bridges, not walls. And she had a story from Iran was her background. And she talked about 9-11. And it was pretty, a little more provocative about, you know, pushing a little bit of the boundaries and it worked. Uh, and so then from there, uh, this this guy Aaron Sampson I, I saw at one of the Toastmaster clubs. Uh, the uh, it was an improv Toastmasters club, and he uh, I saw some talent with him. I saw that he was really something else. So I talked to him, and you know, long story short, he he uh, wanted some coaching for me. He thought that we were could be a really good match, and he was a very hard worker, extremely hard worker. So uh, he signed up to coach with me, and so we trained a few times, and he kept getting better, and he beat each level, he beat each level. And before you know it, he was the district champion and he went on to Chicago. And so I did not go to Chicago, but I was so proud of him. I watched him on, on, the, on the web and I watched his speech and he got, to the, he got to the top 20 in the world. And what I mean by top 20 is he beat his group, he got his, in his group of 10, he got second place. And I said, that means you made it top 20 in the world with 10 groups of 10. 
So very proud of him. And that was that was his Chicago uh, appearance in 2018. That's amazing. That's <laughs> so cool. When I first joined Toastmasters in 2016, I was visiting other clubs. And in that summer, leading up to the convention, our district rep who was going, our district champion, sorry, um, she spoke at one of the clubs I happened to visit. So it was really, that was my first taste of the international speech competition and like going further. And then two years later, I was in Chicago. So that's awesome. I may have actually seen him because I think we watched at least three semifinals. Right. So it's possible I saw him. I don't know for sure. I have to go back and scour my notes. That could he take a little back, while, so don't he, hold your breath. He came back the next uh, uh, two years later and made the top, the, t- the finals on Zoom, the uh, 2020, or was it 2019? 2020, the 2020 finals. He did yeah, that. So he's on fire. Watch. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't watch it. Was, it was di- a little different. Yeah, a little different. The Zoom yes. experience, right? Oh, bummer! I was great to see that. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm kicking myself, but that's okay. That's what YouTube's <laughs> for. Right. I'm sure it's out there on the web. Well, why don't we take a minute to pivot? You've mentioned that you are um, a creative type, and I don't know. I'm pretty sure the viewers can't see what I can and you have a piano right next to you and it's a not any kind of typical piano I can see all sorts of different keys that were never on a piano in my house growing up so why don't you tell us a little bit about you professionally and personally let us know who Jeremy Wineglass is yes I am a I'm a professional pianist and composer and I've been playing my whole life I started I started when I was seven and I've been a Going, I've been professional since 12. I, my first gig was was accompanying a, a school choir. And so from there, I just uh, took off. You know, I was playing for weddings, parties, events. I uh, graduated UC Santa Barbara, Bachelor in Music Composition, but always, always enjoyed playing in front of people, whether it's background, giving concerts. You know, I, that, that's my livelihood is playing for galas and uh, parties and events. And giving lessons occasionally. And so music is, that's, that's what I do. That's who I am. Now I'm in, in uh, Los Angeles. I've been here for 20 years. My wife is my business partner and uh, we have a, we have a daughter named Melody. She's about to turn eight and uh, it's a, it's a family, uh, it's a family business. That's what we do. So we do music. That's why I thought Toastmasters would help me because I, I thought, well, if I'm, half as good at piano as I am at speaking, I can put these together. And so uh, my journey with Toastmasters was interesting because I, I've always been known as the pianist. Oh, that's, that's Jeremy. Oh, he's the piano guy. He's the piano man. He's piano. Like, okay, that's great. Like, in fact, I'm, I'm very grateful that I knew what I wanted to do since I was 10 years old. I, I know some people are, are in their thirties and still don't know what they want to do when they grow up. I, I, I get it. But I was like, yeah, I know I'm going to be music. So but with that, it's like your identity. It's, it's who you are. And so when Toastmasters opened up, I, I actually took, I spent the first year not talking about music, not talking about that. I wanted to, I wanted to discover who I was outside of the piano. There's so much more to talk about, right? So I'm like, by the way, you can't, no one can see me, but, and you wouldn't guess this, but I'm six foot six, I'm six oh foot God. and a half. I'm the tall guy. I'm like, that's what people that's what people see when they see me. Like, they don't know I'm a piano player. I'm a tall, bald guy. They, they assume I'm, you know, a basketball player. And I thought, okay, which I love basketball, by the way, but I, I chose music. 
And so that's, that was my first contest speech. It was, let's see, I'm a tall guy. What can I talk about? Stand tall and all you do. That was my first title. I'm like, let me talk about that. The experience of growing up and, you know, kind of being awkward, being tall, being bullied, and also slouching and not standing tall because I want to not, you know, scare people. What are the things everyone always asks me? You're tall. You play basketball. You know, how's the weather up there? So I talked about all these like cliche things about being tall, but the end point was, you know, stand tall and all you do. And like, let's, and so I learned that myself is to be confident in the body posture and all that. So, and I talked about so many things. I, I've, I've, I've focused on so many different topics, including being a father. I, I started, I, as soon as I joined Toastmasters, I was, uh, my, my wife was pregnant. So there was a lot to talk about the journey of, of fatherhood. And so point being, I, I covered a bunch of topics and I finally came full circle. I came back to music and I realized that it turns out, you know, my brand actually is music after all. And so uh, the, the speech I, I, the speeches that I create now, and I give keynote speeches as well. And they've been on zoom mostly the last couple of years, of course, but my keynote speeches are about tuning into your heart, how to bring more joy and harmony into your life and into the world. And if we're not in tune, we can never have harmony. So how can we be in tune? How can we, uh, you know, the, the grand symphony of life, we're each playing our own instruments. You know, so there's a lot of metaphor to playing music or to being musical and talking about that in the concept of, of life and harmony. And so I, I, I've done that a lot. That's been my favorite thing to do is to merge music and speaking and give kind of a, uh, an inspiring speech of how we can all tune into our musicality because at the core, that's who we are. We are all music, we're all vibration. Whether we think it or not, we are all vibrating a certain frequency. And so what is that? How can we tap in that, raise our vibration and bring more harmony into our life? That is awesome. I mean, I saw your notes about being a pianist and talking about harmony. I was like, I got to listen to this. I need to hear this message. (laughs) That's awesome. So what else did you discover about yourself from all those speeches besides the fact that you are a pianist and that's kind of your thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the discovery is that uh, we can be whoever we want to be and we don't necessarily have have the world define that uh that it can it can help it can be helpful to have uh to be you know to be defined as something but it's all it can always be temporary we can always change we can always add we can always grow in new ways and not to let that hold us back so i i learned that i that there's there's more to me than just music but if i had one thing that was pretty good at it music is fine I'm, i i do embrace that as well so it's 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 not either or it's it's all it's all you want all you want to be you can be i love that message that's mm. i don't know if you saw you probably saw me doing like the pop rock oh my god like that yeah. was pretty <laughs> eye-opening to me right there i was like oh i'm having a moment i have a feeling i'm not the only one out there having a moment but let's take a moment to switch roles and i'm gonna let you ask angela almost anything Okay, great. Okay. Well, how many, how many Toastmasters have you interviewed and what have you, what have you learned from your, from your journey? Ooh, this is a great question. Thanks, Jeremy. I think I've interviewed about 16 Toastmasters for this podcast. What have I learned from my journey? My whole Toastmasters journey from 2016 to today? Yes. Mm. Okay, what have I learned? 
I have learned that I have a lot of transferable skills and I didn't, I initially joined to become more confident in my career because back then I was doing property and casualty insurance full-time and now I'm doing commercial real estate full-time. And I always communicated with people basically through the computer as opposed to on the phone or in person. So I wanted to be more confident when I was speaking on the phone or in person about insurance back then. But I've noticed that I was already kind of confident when I started in commercial real estate, probably because I have the background growing up around it. But also I feel Toastmasters helped. I got my license in summer of 18 and I was two and a half years into Toastmasters by then and well on my DTM journey. So I think that was probably one of the biggest things I've learned and realized on my journey is that I built up this confidence that just made me more confident in life in general, which is pretty cool. Well, I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of like small questions, but I'll just kind of pile them on where I, so you've been, you've been a Toastmaster since 2016. How many clubs are you involved in now? Are you meeting in person in any of them? What is your trajectory with what you want to reach with this podcast? Uh, and anything else you want to share? Oh, I love it. My home club is Network Voice Toastmasters in Weymouth, Mass. I've been with them on and off since the beginning. I left them for a year to join Advanced Orders in Easton. It's an advanced club, or maybe six months out. Then I went back, and then I joined. I left them again. <laughs> Sorry. And I joined Spirited Speakers in Middleborough, Mass. And I went back and now I'm in two clubs, so I'm a dual member. So I'm back with Network Voice and I'm still with Spirited Speakers. Network Voice, we meet twice a month. So both my clubs meet on Wednesdays, but the opposite Wednesdays. So Wednesday night is Toastmaster night. Nice. Network Voice is the first and third Wednesday. And the first Thursday we meet hybrid. So anybody who wants to go in person can, anybody who wants to do Zoom can. Our second meeting is fully via Zoom on the third Wednesday. Spirited Speakers is 100% virtual. Um, let's see. My goal with the podcast, I can't believe I'm remembering all this. My goal <laughs> nice. with the podcast is to just reach more people and educate people about what Toastmasters is. And I'm a people person, so I get to learn about all these wonderful Toastmasters from all over. I haven't interviewed a musician yet. You're my first official musician. I may yes, have yeah. someone who can play the piano mildly better than me, but or better than me, but you can, you're a professional. So this is pretty cool. Um, I just get to meet people from all over. And it's pretty exciting. That it kind of came from going to the international convention. Oh, really? Nice. I was like, oh my God, all these people from all over the world. I rode from the airport to the hotel with the uh, a girl from Australia who was the district winner in the international speech contest. So I got to meet a couple of Australians on my ride and all sorts of people. And District 31 is always well represented. There's always like the McGee's, a couple of other people, the trio, Fab Four, whatever they're called now. So that's pretty cool. Um, the reach, oh, what else am I trying to accomplish? Just really helping people better understand what Toastmasters is and they get to meet new people too. For instance, would I have met you otherwise, probably? No. 
Now, I wouldn't have. Most people I probably wouldn't have met otherwise. I mean, aside from the folks in my district. So this is really fun. And it's really a fun thing for me. And I get to learn new things, like the pie method yes. <laughs> for evaluating. And it's nice to hear about different meeting themes that clubs are doing. So it's just interesting to hear about different clubs all over the world as well. Excellent. Did I answer all your questions? You, you did. You did great. You sprinkled them all over. So, and I rolled hey, with it. Hey. I think I've answered more hey. questions for you than I have all together. <laughs> hey, you know, I appreciate the off the cuff uh, switching roles there. I didn't see that coming. So, <laughs> well, I like to do that and it's kind of fun. And usually, I guess, don't see it coming. And it puts me on my toes too. It gets me to practice table topics because most of this interview is table topics. For instance, people almost always ask, what brought you to the club? Why did you join? What keeps you here? That type of thing. But right. it's a great way right. for people to get to hear different angles and aspects as well. Like, yeah, I know, I know what top, I, I've got a topic maybe we could each touch on. Um, I want, I want I'm, I'm thinking a lot uh, recently now about Zoom versus in person because it's been a while, right? So the other day, I'm also part of the LA5 Rotary Club, which is, it's different. It's not, it's not Toastmasters, but it's, it's, um, you know, one of the most, one of the, also the other greatest international uh, nonprofit organization and doing good in the world and in community. Uh, so I had an opportunity, to, we, we've been meeting in person the last, uh, for, since July of, this is 2021. So we've had about, uh, six months of in-person once a week and making sure it's all safe and all this, everything is, is fine. It's been going very well. And I had an opportunity to have a couple speeches there, uh, just small ones. And, and I, and I uh, was a little, I felt a little bit off because it's been a year and a half since an in-person Toastmasters for me. And on the, on the flip side, I've gotten so much out of Toastmasters being on zoom. I've had a lot of, right when I started doing my, my keynotes, I was out and about doing keynote, uh, and, and visits to a lot of clubs. And then it switched to Zoom and I was able to just really take a different level, a different approach. And instead of talking about music and play, I, first my keyboard was right here so I could play a little bit. I could also do share screen and do some video uh, interaction. So I, there was a lot of other, other tools, but I was missing the in-person part. And that kind of was getting to me just recently because I felt like I wasn't on my game uh, at the Rotary Club when I was actually speaking in front of real people. So I'm finding like a little, I'm like a little bit anxious to get back to, uh, you know, in-person meetings. The Zoom has been nice, but uh, that's, that's where I'm at. That's how I feel right now. I think there's aspects of both that are, that can be positive and have been good, but I'm missing, I'm missing more of the in-person. How about yourself? <laughs> what do you think? I understand the nerve wracking. Yeah. Because yeah. I actually gave a couple speeches at Network Voice in person and via Zoom. So I had a, the camera angle, the people in the room. There was a little bit more to factor in. So I definitely felt the nerves and the anxiety a little bit, for sure. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time since I felt those nerves and anxiety. Maybe the first couple of speeches are talking on Zoom. And then after a couple months on Zoom, I was fine. Because everything was on Zoom. And I still do a lot on Zoom. But in-person is so different now because, first of all, my club met in the library that no longer exists. It was demolished and rebuilt. And now our room setup is completely different. Totally threw me off. So I was like, oh my God, I'm so out of my element, even though I used to do speeches in person. 
it's just very different. Mm -hmm. But I do miss being in person. And I'm glad one of my clubs has an in-person option once a month. I too am in Rotary and we meet in person twice a month and the other two meetings we do via Zoom. Mm -hmm. That way the folks who really can't get out or don't want to be or whatever, they can still participate. So that's kind of my long answer to your short question. No, it's great. And look, we have we have more in common. We're we're in the Rotary as well. Look at that. Yes. We have a part, so I'm going to pause for a second and sit on Rotary for a minute, if you don't mind. So Ghostbusters sure. and Rotary formed, officially formed a partnership last year, in 2020. It was in the works for about two years. What have you seen people doing with the partnership, if anything? And part two of the question, I guess, is tell us a little bit about your experience in Rotary. So Excellent. that our yeah. listeners can hear a little bit about that organization as yes. well. Yes, perfect. I, I recall when that partnership was was starting and, and I was just, it was right before we had the, uh, the the lockdown, I believe. And so I actually had just gotten out. It was like the last speech I gave uh, at Toastmasters was combining Rotary and Toastmasters and talking about that partnership. And from what, from my, from my view uh, vantage point, the the partnership was basically just inviting people from each club and organization and letting them know about what they're what they're up to and that there's opportunities in both and in uh, LA5 in our club I had reached out to, to the president and had invite we have we have guest speakers uh, every week and just for variety I thought well there's some there's some really high ranking people that come into rotary and especially our club like military or doctors or Whatever, some not necessarily good speaker. I mean, they're they're decent with their topic and their you know high accolades. But the but then to bring in like a motivational speaker, I thought was a good idea. So we did that a couple times. I brought in some like I brought in uh, Tom Island, who was just became an accredited speaker. Like there were only still only less than a hundred in the world, I believe, and he was just he just made it from our from our district. He had autism as well and on the spectrum and he had a book out. He was a very, very amazing person. I thought this is perfect to to bring to Rotary. So so I guess my long answer to that first part of your question is I'm not really sure uh, how the partnership goes beyond that. I just was aware, hey, here's an opportunity to to connect people in both organizations. Here's an opportunity for people to, so for, for Toastmasters to come over to Rotary and be guest speakers, and also for Rotarians to get more uh, more experience and understand what Toastmasters is, and it can help them uh, with their speaking and with their. With, but so I think the way I, I understand both both organizations as being a member is that very high values for both. It's all about it's about service, giving back, leadership, and communication. But generally, Toastmasters focuses on growth. Our, our personal growth, leadership, communication, and Rotary focuses on service. These are probably two of the highest values we can have, I think, as, as human beings. And Tony Robbins has a whole thing on this as well. Well, I won't get on a tangent, don't worry. But uh, I think that having both of these aspects as values in our lives, it can be so beneficial and that there's absolutely room for, for more of a partnership, I think, between growth and service as we can become better people, in general, and also be able to give back more of ourselves. 
So, but I do not know specifics beyond that. <laughs> that was my short. And then my experience, your other question, if I recall, my experience in Rotary, um, interesting. So, I mean, there when, a few years ago, I, I've, I've been a Rotarian for four years. It's my fourth year, I believe. And music brought me in there. There was the, the president at the time, Eric Weiss, uh, was, we, we had done a, a lot of productions together. He was a big, big producer on these big galas in Los Angeles. So it, uh, for some from huge stars that I would be on the stage playing for, um, these are these are some big events and big awards galas. And he has been my my boss or my director. And so he said he was talking about Rotary. He said I think you can come into Rotary and um, you know be uh, play some music and you know make connections. And and I wasn't really sure what Rotary was either. So again, similar to my Toastmasters story, I'm like okay, I'll uh, check this out. And so I I did and. Uh, LFI is a little pricey, but uh, we worked it out and I realized that there was business opportunities at first. And so I think it paid for itself uh, eventually. Uh, but again, I'm giving it's service, really. I mean, I'm, I'm in there. I'm actually playing piano for my Rotary Club. I'm playing for their honor, just to, you know, just uh, sometimes uh, notes speak louder than the words. So I put mm-hmm. my business card out. I get, a, get some gigs. But, but then I realized there's more to Rotary than just business and networking. And so I saw the value of how people can be in a position to give back. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm in awe. Like there's people in our club that can, they're like, Oh, I'll throw down a thousand dollars or $10,000. Like, wow. You know, they can, to have that capacity to, to give back and then to be doing that. It's just people uh, with capacities to, to give back and to make connections and to actually do some real good in the world. So it's definitely uh, a club. I'm, I'm very happy. I was invited to. That's awesome. Yeah, Rotary is about service and fellowship. We have a lot of overlap in our values. Um, and then there is a little, there's a component that I haven't gotten into it yet because obviously I'm in both, both organizations, but there's a component of Rotarians being able to take parts of Toastmasters and learn how to create speeches and whatnot. And they can go to meetings and use the Toastmasters Club meetings as ways to present those speeches and to improve themselves. So there is that component as well. I just I said I haven't dove into it because apparently some of it is crossover. Like we might do it level one or level two or an elective type of thing. So I'm not quite sure. Well, um, we're kind of nearing the end. So I want to ask you a big, big question in my world. Where do you see yourself in Toastmasters three or five years from now? Oh, good question. Thanks. I, I, <laughs> what's, I, and, and, when I, what I mean by good question is that's a question I haven't thought of. Sometimes okay. that can be that. It's a good question. Where do you see yourself in Toastmasters yeah. in about three years? I think that's just, I should just ask everybody in three years because half the people like, yeah. I think yeah. the five years. Well, Toastmasters for, for the first five, six years of my journey, I wanted to, I kept doing more and more. And I saw myself like getting that DTM being more involved in many clubs. I was involved in three or four clubs, uh, becoming a professional speaker and a, at least a trainer. I, I did, I did do that. Getting my, you know, having a, having a, uh, a speech or a, uh, a workshop or something I can share and give, give to people right now, I guess because of the pandemic and the shift to zoom, I kind of took a step back. And so it really depends on that. It really depends. I, I hope that in three and three years from now that I'm involved in a club in person and continuing my skills and having uh, 
the ability to do a keynote speech and uh, and getting practice in Toastmasters and hopefully uh, you know getting paid to do that also at some point. Uh, if not, I just I do just see myself with my foot in the door with Toastmasters to some degree and being able to continue to help and mentor people. But I don't see it being uh, more than that unless you know something changes with the current situation. That's awesome. And it's funny, you've talked about mentorship, you've talked, there's so many things you've touched on that we could have kept going into. So right. this has obviously been a very educational and fulfilling interview for me. I don't know how you feel, but. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. No, it's, it's this great. Been we great. were ripping off of each other. Yeah, it, was yeah. awesome. it was great to get to know about you as well. That was nice. Absolutely. So do you have anything, any parting remarks you'd like to make to our listeners? Sure. I think, I think to summarize, I would, I would say, it, well, first of all, it's, it's, never, it's never too late to start Toastmasters. It's always the right time, and there's always something to get out of it. It's always an opportunity to push our comfort level. And if you're pushing your comfort level, then you're growing. And if you're growing, then you're in a position to give, give back more to the world. And whatever profession you're in, Toastmasters will always help support that and for you to be a better communicator, a better leader. And uh, yeah, being able to fulfill more of what you want to do in life. And who knows, maybe uh, maybe a path for speaking can open up professionally as well for you as well. You never know. You say yes and, and jump in. I mean, what else? Uh, that's, <laughs> that's kind of, what else can you do? Life's too short, so jump in when you can. Oh, I like that. Let's end on that. Life's too short, so jump in when you can. Thank you for listening to Talking Toastmasters with Angela Nuss. Please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Talking Toastmasters and subscribe at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com slash Talking Toastmasters. Talking Toastmasters is produced and hosted by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. <laughs>